Well, good morning, Eastridge. Hi. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Emily, and I am the family minister here at Eastridge. And I have the great privilege of giving today's message, which I'm so excited about. Last week, we kicked off a new sermon series called This Is My Story. And in this sermon series, you are going to hear from a variety of speakers about stories that have really shaped who they are and where their faith life is today. So last week, we heard from Carrie, and as she started speaking, I got really nervous because she started using the scripture that I was going to use today. <laughs> and I started praying, God, please stop her, please. <laughs> and you know what they say, ask and you shall receive. God stopped her at the perfect moment and set me up for a great sermon today. So today I wanna to talk to you a little bit about something that I don't think we talk enough about as Christians, and that is doubt. So even hearing the word doubt might bring up some emotion for you when you're thinking about your faith life. Maybe you were raised not to think about doubt. Maybe you were told it was a bad thing or something that you really shouldn't experience if you are a believer. But today I wanna to talk about how you can actually use doubt to deepen your relationship with God. So, I wanna set us up for a scenario. Hypothetical, of course. Let's say you're here on a Sunday morning, you're having a great time, you just, you know, listen to Shannon on worship, I mean, she's amazing. You go out into the lobby after the sermon and you see your friend, and let's just call her Pearl. I don't think we have a pearl here, but if we do, just know that this is not about you. <laughs> so you go out and you're excited to fellowship and you go and you find your friend Pearl and you say, hey Pearl, how are you doing? And Pearl looks at you and says, actually, I'm not doing so great. You see, I'm experiencing a lot of struggles right now. I'm having a lot of doubts. I just don't know where God is in my situation. Oh boy, <laughs> right? You are only ready to talk with Pearl about your Sunday afternoon plans and about the weather, right? It's not the heat, it's the humidity. You are ready to say that, I know that. But Pearl confided in you as someone she could trust with a struggle. So what do we do when sh someone shares their doubts with you? Or what do we do when we struggle with our own doubt? So before we get into dealing with doubt, it's important to know what doubt is and what doubt isn't. Doubt is different than unbelief. And I think often we get the two confused, but they're completely different things. So doubt is the longing to be sure of the things that we trust. Doubt happens when we don't understand God's plan or what he's doing in our lives. It happens when we question God's plan through the lens of our humanity. Unbelief is the decision to live your life as if there is no God. So this is completely separate. 
Unbelief is rejecting God's word and what he tells us to do. It is the deliberate decision to reject the evidence of God and Jesus Christ. So the good news about doubt is this. Doubt arises within the context of faith. You see, you have to believe in something in order to have doubts about it. Doubt arises when our burdens feel too heavy, when we're facing a difficult situation, maybe you have a curveball that you're thrown, you start to doubt. It also happens when we feel lonely, rejected, depressed, or you might find doubts in just small trials that seem to go on and on and on. Doubt makes us ask the question, where are you, God? But the good news is that even in our doubt, the God we are not sure of is certain to meet us where we're at. So let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20. So Carrie preached on part of this story last week, but I'm going to go further into a Bible character not mentioned last week. So today we're going to be talking about one of the 12 disciples. Today we're going to be talking about Thomas. So we join our story after Jesus has died on the cross. The disciples were gathered together in a room and Jesus had appeared to the disciples. So for some reason, Thomas wasn't with the disciples when that happened, so he missed the appearance of Jesus. So starting in John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. After witnessing Jesus's brutal death on the cross, I have to imagine Thomas wasn't exactly excited to hear this news. He doubted what had happened. You see, he was likely still grieving Jesus's death and what he thought life would be like. He's in a completely different spot than where he thought he would be. And when Thomas responds, he responds with doubt. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So this is a tall order. Not only does Thomas want to see Jesus, he wants to see the evidence of his scars, and he wants to physically touch them. Furthermore, he said, if that doesn't happen, I will never believe. So in case you didn't know, the doubt that Thomas shows here gave him the unfortunate moniker of doubting Thomas. I mean, can you imagine being forever known as an adjective that describes you in a hard moment in your faith? It makes me feel bad for him. And when I was talking through my message with Pastor Justin, he actually refers to Thomas as Honest Thomas, which I love because I think that had we been in that situation, in our humanity, we would have some doubts. So verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, 
peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I love that Jesus didn't scold Thomas. I mean, he could have, but he didn't. He knew exactly what Thomas needed to believe, and he graciously offers him the evidence. He says, here are my scars. Touch them. If that's what you need to believe, touch them. I love this second part, though. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas did not just see Jesus with his eyes. He knew in his soul that he is Lord and that what the disciples had told him was true. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So in this scripture, Thomas was doubting that God was big enough, that God was capable enough to raise Jesus from the dead. He was wrestling with the question, can my God really make the impossible possible? Have you ever wrestled with that same question? Have you ever found yourself in life wondering where God is? Maybe you're doubting his presence or his power or what he's capable of. I think we all probably have been in that spot. Last week, Carrie talked about the difference between scars and wounds. And if you missed her sermon, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. You see, a wound is an active injury. A scar can only happen when healing has taken place. I think we do each other a disservice as Christians by hiding our wounds and our scars. You see, often we don't want to be like Pearl in the lobby. We don't want to make someone else feel uncomfortable. We don't want to put ourselves out there. There's a lot of reasons why we hide what's really going on. But when we hide what's going on, we are missing the opportunity to lift each other up in the name of Jesus. So my husband and I have attended Eastridge for about eight years now. And I've been on staff here for almost three of those years. And so through that time, I've gotten to know a lot of you. But one thing you might not know about me is that I have a parent who suffers from addiction. My dad has been a severe alcoholic for over half of my life. And I don't often share that with people when I'm getting to know them. Out of respect, privacy, love for my dad. But if you know someone who has an addiction, you know that it doesn't just affect the person who is suffering from it. It affects every single person who loves and cares about the person suffering. So if you've had a family member or a loved one deal with addiction, you know the deep ache that comes from watching someone suffer. Sometimes it feels like a wound that will never heal. And if you've witnessed the painful cycle of remission and relapse, you know that sometimes it can feel like a scab being ripped wide open again. 
we've gone through the cycle of remission and relapse many times over the years. And in times of remission, I pray and I say, God, please let this be it. God, please give me strength to support my dad. God, please give him the strength to maintain his sobriety. God, let this be it. Let our family move towards restoration, repair our relationships, Lord. And then in times of relapse, I doubt. I doubt the purpose in the struggle. I doubt that God cares for my family. I doubt that we will see his redemption. So it feels ironic to me to be up here speaking to you from this place, all while struggling with my own doubt. You see, I think that there is this big misconception that pastors have this divinity that protects them from their humanity. But what I know is that any person speaking to you from this place has wounds, has struggles, and deals with doubt. But something that we have learned is that our biggest wounds are driving us to be closer to Jesus. You see, our sufferings are preparing us for his glory, even in our hardest times. And doubt is often the catalyst for deepened faith. You see, doubt is like an attention-seeking child, just earnestly looking for ground to stand on. And when the believer is presented with evidence, that doubt turns to faith. So today I want to share some practical tools for dealing with doubt, if that's something that has been in your life recently. My first tool is go to Jesus first. I think in our humanity, we often try to control the situation and do everything we can to fix it on our own. And when we're exhausted is when we find ourselves going to Jesus. So what would happen if we went to Jesus first? I also think it's funny that we always think we need to explain a whole situation to Jesus through our prayer. <laughs> When Jesus knows exactly what's going on in your lives, he knows it better than you do. So in times of struggle, I encourage you to pray like this. Jesus, help me. Jesus, be with me. Jesus, lift this burden. Jesus, give me strength. Jesus, show me your scars. Sometimes we forget that we're daughters and sons of the king and that we have the authority to boldly ask God for what it is that we need. And when you do that, I pray that you are open-minded to what you receive. Because it might not happen in the time frame you want it to happen. Maybe it takes weeks, months, years, more addiction cycles. We don't know, but it's going to happen when God is ready to reveal his glory to you. It also might not look exactly how you had hoped, but be open-minded because when you ask, God will answer. My next tool is get into scripture. Read God's promises 
over and over and over again. So on the screen, I have a few of my favorite scriptures. And these are scriptures that I go back to when I am dealing with doubt. So I'm going to read them quickly here. Matthew 9, everything is possible for one who believes. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mark 10, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Hold God's promises close to you and refer to them often. My next tool is to participate in your church community. Remember Pearl? Pearl thought that you were someone she could confide in. When someone is struggling and they confide in you, take time to listen. Listen to them and support them in the faith. You have that responsibility. As Christians, we don't let one of us fall to the wayside. We need to hold each other to the faith, which means listening and supporting. Join a Bible study or a small group where you can share openly in a judgment-free zone. So here at Eastridge, I run a mom's ministry program called Fearless Mom. And in Fearless Mom, we have a saying, and that is, shame is like mold, it grows in the dark. When I was younger, I used to try to hide my dad's addiction issues from others. I thought we were the only family ever to have dealt with something like this, and no one would understand. As I got older and I started being more open and sharing with people what was going on, I was absolutely blown away by the number of people who said, hey, me too. I have a mom or a dad or a cousin who deals with that too. The more you hide a struggle and isolate yourself because of it, the worse it will become. The enemy's best strategy is isolation. And he does his best work when he has made you believe that you are the only person in the whole world dealing with a struggle. You are completely alone. Learn from other believers. You see, worrying about your doubts will lift you into a cycle that is vicious. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Spend time with seasoned believers in your church, people who have persevered through hard situations and who have grown their faith because of it. You know, I'm looking in this room, and there's so many people here. Diane, Carrie, Mary Kay, Teresa, Vanessa, Carol. You guys have been through some things. And you've walked with God. And your strength is incredible. 
And I can guarantee that these people who have been through these struggles are willing to share what they've learned with you. Learn from each other. So I hope today's message has brought you deeper understanding of what doubt is and how it can be used as a tool to deepen your faith life. Because that's why we're here. We're here to deepen our relationship with God.